Hello, everyone. I'm Sherry Barch, and I am the author of Heaven's Bell. I'm here with Rick Flynn. You can get Heaven's Bell on Amazon or at www.heavensbell.com, and we are going to have a good time. We are on our way. You're listening to Rick Flynn. With a shout out from London Town, it's Rick Flynn presents... Now, ladies and gentlemen, your MC for the affair, Rick Flynn. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome on in. What a show today. Rather different show for us. As a lot of you know, we do a lot of discussion on this program about show business. That's why we call it Confessions of a Showbiz Kid. But today, we are going to do something completely different. Although it's needed, it's much needed. I've been looking forward to it because Sherry is here. Her name is Sherry Barch, and she has written an Amazon best-selling book, which is entitled Heaven's Bell. Her website, www.heavensbell.com. Sherry, come on in, say hello, and tell us why you wanted to get started writing this book from the perspective of speaking to a child, but yet the adults are reading it too, and I don't blame them. Come on in here, Sherry. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me today, Rick. I'm really excited to be here, and I appreciate your courage in having me on, even though I might not fit the profile of some of your other guests. So thank you. No, I'll tell you what. It's about time that somebody wrote something, because I remember when I was in my mid-20s, and by the way, I'm not there right now. (laughs) (laughs) I, I have surpassed that goal in life many years. Years ago, but I remember when I was in my mid twenties, I said to myself, "Boy, things and and things were doing very well for me at that time. Not that they've gone downhill since, but." <laughs> I was doing extremely well as a DJ at the time, really at the top of my game. And I kept saying, wow, look, I've never had to face death. None of my friends have died. I've never in my life attended a funeral. I'm the luckiest guy in the world. Maybe I can go the rest of my life and this will happen. I'll (laughs) never have to deal with the unpleasantries, if you will, of losing someone one forever and then you 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 get older and older and you know what happens i don't even need to describe this to you you have no choice as you grow yes it happens you lose family members you lose bff and what does that mean is that best friend forever yes right okay i don't use the term myself but that's what i thought your best friend forever that you would lose suddenly is not with you anymore in the flesh they've gone on they've been called home and what you have done in your book heaven's bell sherry you wrote it from the perspective of telling a child 
a story about losing someone, losing your BFF, or I don't know if you work family in there or not, but at any rate, here is just, I have one quote from one of your reviewers. Quote, Heaven's Bell was written to create a safe space for families to have a conversation about death and dying in a natural and productive way, one that creates feelings of joy, inspiration, and gratitude for life. Now, is that what the children are getting out of it? And when did you learn that the adults were reading it too? <laughs> it, it really was interesting. I, I wrote it uh, in the voice of uh, Ashley, who's 13 years old and goes to middle school, and her friend Cody uh, dies. And that happens earlier in the story than later. And I've had people not want to read the story and kind of say, let me get this straight. You wrote a children's book about death and dying. Good luck with that. <laughs> but I think what it did is because it's a it's a adolescence. It's not a it's not a cartoon book. It's not a Bernstein Bears loses grandpa book. It really is this middle schooler book. And I think it's allowing the adults to maybe be less intimidated. Um, it's less sterile, and it's a story that they're reading that on behalf of well, if I read this story, maybe I can help my child. But it's resonating with the adults, and so the the reviews that I'm receiving on my on Amazon and the voicemails that I'm receiving, the people that are stopping me, it's it it's allowing these adults to maybe revisit some of their first experiences with death, which not like you, I think happens more around that 13, 12, 11 year old that maybe is, has experienced the loss of a grandparent or a neighbor or someone in their lives that they can kind of go back to that point and think, what, what do I think about death and dying and the permanency of it? So it's it's been delightful in the past year to be able to help people think about it a little differently and maybe not be as sad and talk about their memories and some of their friends that maybe they haven't thought about since they read the book. Right. Now, there are some people, including some that I've known personally, when someone passes away and they leave us here on earth, they view it as a celebratory moment. Mm -hmm. Oh, they, they have a party. They throw a party and people come and they serve drinks and they have good food and everybody's walking around. It's a social event. It's like a New Orleans style funeral, you might say. We're down in New Orleans. They have a party. They mm -hmm. celebrate the home going. Have you seen this in your travels or no? Oh, yes. I think, you know, and, and let me just say, I'm not, I'm not trying to be a death expert. I'm not, I'm not a trained counselor, but I do believe this story can help those individuals that are trained in helping people grieve and help helping people heal. This is a, this is one tool that they can use almost an icebreaker to let's start talking about these memories. But what I will say in my, in my layperson's observations is, you know, I think culturally here, in the United States, um, it really is not as celebrated and as as um, represented or um, it's more private here versus some other cultures. What about you? Have you experienced that as well? Well, yes, sir. I had um, a dear friend of mine uh, leave us and lo and behold, uh, they called me. Uh, his brother was uh, a major 
celebrity here in our area in greater Cincinnati. And he said, Rick, we want you to be the DJ. And you know what? They rented the theater. They invited everybody to come to the theater. They had the band playing. And I mean, it was a big, big band that they put together only for that night. I was the DJ. I was on the television news that evening. And yes, I worked my craft for a friend that was no longer with us, but his family knew, just like I knew, that my buddy did not like funerals. He did not (laughs) want it to be a sad, sad, crying, depressing thing. So we had the celebration. People showed up. It was exactly what my buddy would have liked had he been on earth, and that's why they did it. And you know what? I can't blame the family. They did exactly exactly what he wanted. I was glad to donate my services for my dear friend of over 30 years, and the people liked it. Everybody had a good time. That's wonderful. And and I think that's really what pushed me to put the story down on paper and get it out to publish it is because during COVID, we really couldn't have those celebrations. And I was very concerned about the amount of death that was around us. And as we all know, we've reached over a million COVID deaths now. And so many children impacted by the death of a caregiver or a parent. I think that's up over around 200,000 now. And we didn't have a place to express the grief. And so my hope was by putting this story out, people would read it and start to heal and start to talk about their loved ones, have the courage to celebrate. And the story really does create a platform to be curious and ask questions. But that I I have this picture in my mind of you at this beautiful celebration and DJing and people being able to hug one another and tell stories and celebrate and raise a glass. And we just, we were not experiencing that in the last couple of years. Well, it was certainly a rather unique occasion. They even had t-shirts for the occasion (laughs) that they were giving away to certain people. And it was just as a memento of that time. It was just a wonderful feeling, but that was not the first time that that particular family had done that. Their mom had passed away at a ripe old age. She was elderly at the time she left, and darn it, it wasn't at the theater that time, but they had a party at one of their respective family members' home where all kinds of people came, and another DJ was there, one of uh, the family members and once again, everybody was celebrating the home going. And that was rather unique to me. That was the only time I'd really seen a family unit come together and express themselves in that way, other than the video I have seen of what goes on in New Orleans with the parades and the bands and, and all this and that, where they celebrate the occasion mm-hmm. down in the uh, New Orleans. Absolutely. But yeah, I see nothing wrong with celebrating the home going if that would be your pleasure. 
I agree. I agree. There we go. I've got a girl named Lisa who was your uh, reviewer. This is what she said, and I quote, This is a compassionate look at death. She's referring to your book, Heaven's Bell, from a new author who understands children and creates a beautiful story of friendship and loss with hope and comfort. A great read for any young person who has lost someone or even someone who has not yet had that experience but will face it in the future, which is what happened to me. I had no choice. Mm. I faced it in the future. Quote, the book says it is geared towards 8 to 12-year-olds, and that seems just right, although as an adult, I enjoyed it too. And that's what Lisa had to say. So you wrote the book. The book is the product of a COVID lockdown time. And you were, like everyone else, locked down. And that's how this book came to be. You made, what did you do? Did you make lemonade out of the lemons? Is that it? (laughs) Yes. Well, I, I don't know about that. I just, I got, I became incredibly passionate about the story. And I've had the story for a long time. So it, it didn't didn't come to me because of COVID. I think COVID gave me the courage to be a first-time author and write it down and publish it. So it's a, it's a it's a story that I've always had in my mind since I was a kid. And uh, I too didn't experience death until later in life, you know, at, at a, a real intimate level with family members. But I just thought, if not now, when? Um, and I just thought if it could help one person, I'm going to go ahead and put it out there in the universe. And I had, you know, that was a little over a year ago and I am incredibly blown away by the feedback and the stories and how people are utilizing the story of Heaven's Bell. Right. Now, your protagonists, if you will, or your stars in that book are two youngsters, Ashley and Cody. And yes. you write the book. Are they BFFs? Yes. Now, does one of them go on and leave, or do the two of them simply have a discussion about one leaving? No. So Cody dies early in the book. Um, He was feeling tired and she wasn't sure what's going on. And I touch on the communication that we sometimes struggle with when not only a young person dies, but anybody. You know, you've got the family dynamics of Ashley um, being told by, you know, the the family, well, you know, he, you know, let's not talk about it. We don't want to upset him. And then vice versa. We have Cody saying, I know what's happening and I'm, and I'm, you know, and there's nothing I can do about it. And I, I need to go. And so early in the book, it is, you know, it is a death, but the rest of the book really follows these BFFs while Cody's in heaven and or outer space and what he's experiencing while Ashley is on earth living her long life and how at the end of the book, the two of them reunite. Oh, so they a, reunite. Mm-hmm. So it's a parallel universes, if you will. Oh, my. There we go. All mm-hmm. right. Now, you had the story prior to writing the book. Where did it come from? You know, it it, it, it came from my imagination. And it, as a young child, I, I remember thinking about and, and 
you know, I, I wasn't taken to funerals, but I knew people were gone. And so it was my way of filling in the blanks and trying to understand where they were at and what they were doing. So I had always envisioned that they were in heaven and that in heaven, there was a big celebration when you came and they hung a bell and everybody was waiting for you. Even people that maybe you didn't meet while you were here on earth, but your ancestors and um, others that brought you joy during your life were there to greet you in heaven. And there were bells hung and it was beautiful music. And what I would do then is anytime I thought of a loved one that I had lost, I would ring their bell. And their bell had uh, its own unique ring for me. So they would know that it was me thinking of them when their bell rang. And throughout the years, I just would add more bells and, you know, at the holidays or, or anytime, anytime something reminded me of them, I would say I would ring their bell. And um, that's really where it came from. And I never really shared it with anyone. But then I had a family friend who had a tragic loss and they lost, um, she lost her husband and her young daughter was really struggling with the loss of her dad. And she was probably in first grade or so. And um, I thought, you know, I'm going to make a bell because a lot of times younger kids don't have the tangible understanding of death, right? It's all just kind of they're in a better place or, you know, they're in heaven. So how can we create a tangible opportunity for them to think about um, a lost loved one? And so I gave her the bell and I told her the story and it takes five minutes. And she kept that bell and told me three years later that a teacher had asked to bring in the, you know, something that they value, a favorite thing. And she brought in the bell and told the story of Heaven's Bell to her classroom. Oh, I think and, that's good. That's great. Yep. And she's a junior in high school now or a senior in high school, and she still talks about it. Well, so, I'll tell you what, I think that's, that's fabulous. Go ahead, dear. You no. Know, and then, so just a couple other opportunities like that, that I, I, I had the courage to be able to go to someone that had lost someone and just tell them my story. And here's what I think about. And, and here's a bell. And it immediately created this icebreaker, this, well, let me tell you about some memories. And, and these, these children and adults alike would start to share stories. And then somebody else would, you know, tell a story or a, a memory that added to that. And you just saw everyone move from kind of this paralyzing grief to let's celebrate this. Let's talk about this. And I think it takes courage. I think it takes leadership. So you talk about your friends that rented out the hall or the theater and, and invited you to come in. I mean, that takes courage. That takes leadership in a family to say, no, we're going to, we're going to do this and we're going to have the courage to talk about memories. And I think it shows children that it's okay to be sad, but it's also okay to move forward. They would want you to move forward. And that's what happens in the book. Ashley moves forward. She misses Cody. Cody's up in heaven saying, you know, watching on the, in the grand hall, what's happening in the great hall. And I think it's, I think it's just a pathway to be able to heal along with grief. Right. Now, why is it that the lesser of the crowd, if you will, in terms of numeric numbers, celebrate and are happy for the home going, but the majority are in tears and it's sad and everybody's wearing black and, oh, my life will never be the same, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. It's easier to be upset that it would seem to me much harder 
to celebrate the home going than to just sit there and cry all night. And I've done that. Right. I think it's about what we see as children. I think if we had family that didn't want to talk about death and dying, had a hard time with something that they would consider conflictual, or I don't want to upset mom, so I don't want to talk about grandma's death. Um, you know, children are pretty in tune. And a lot, you know, whether it's a death or other conflictual conversations, difficult conversations, having the courage to be able to say, do you want to talk about this? Or let me ask you some questions. Or what do you remember most? Um, it takes it takes courage and leadership. Well, definitely. Yeah, it sure does. And I wish that really more people would celebrate the occasion. But when somebody leaves you after that many years, mm-hmm. it it is a difficult thing for the average person to say, oh, Sherry, let's have a party. Let's celebrate this. That's, no, just, that's not what's on your mind, you know? No, and I think we all have per- very personal ways of grieving, right? There's no right way to do it. And it could even be a combination of of all of that. Um, But somehow we have to be able to create a safe place for people to experience death in their own way. And that's those spaces in between, you know, just even being curious, just asking questions, showing up. And so many people, I mean, you know, slow the car down and maybe whip a sympathy card out the window and keep going. You know, it's hard. It's hard to show up to a family when everybody's feeling sad. What do you say? Well, you you show up initially, you should be there to pay your respects to the uh, the family. Mm -hmm. If you can. And during COVID. you can. Yeah. There there was emails and Zoom calls and cards in the mail, maybe a casserole on the door at the door, but it 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 was hard. It was hard. And I had people tell me that they were able to take the book and either send it or the other thing they did is they started writing memories in it and they would pass it around the whole family. In the back of the book there's pages that you can draw in if you're too young to write or memory and then they would send that over to the grandma or whomever, the neighbor. And, you know, it was a way to at least be able to express their sympathies, pay their condolences, or as you say, show up, especially during those difficult times. Right. Now, your book is an easy read. It is not, you do not need a PhD in in this subject matter to understand it, correct? It is an easy read. It is just one heaven's bell story. We all have heaven's bell stories. And this is just, it's an hour. It probably takes an hour. It's in a real easy format. Again, it was written at a middle school level. All right. Very well. The book, ladies and gentlemen, we're discussing is Heaven's Bell. The website behind it belongs to our guest today, Sherry Barch, and the website at www.heavensbell.com. It is described as, quote, a comforting hug in a book. Now, you remember singer Billy Joel, the, the piano man? Yes. He certainly had a song. I'm sure you've heard it. It said, only the good die young. Do you remember that? <laughs> I do. I do. Why do some 
of the good, truly good, die young. Mm. Not that that's your fault, but do you have an opinion on it? (laughs) I have an opinion, but it makes no sense. It is beyond my reproach. I am no expert at it, nor is it within my power. Why do we have such death and dying amongst truly good people, and then we have gangsters and criminals that are not worth anything that'll live into their 90, you see what I mean, in the prison. This is what I would like an answer to, Sherry, if you can drag it out of that book and tell me. No, I don't. I don't know why the good the good die young and the and the gangsters live until they're 111. But I can I can point out that I believe culturally, the younger someone dies, the harder it is to celebrate. Oh, and the uh, harder so it true. is to talk about it. So our emotions and our mourning and our grief actually create barriers for those healthy conversations and the opportunity to be able to heal together. And it can become very, very isolating versus the older you are and the more of the life that you have lived, there's an opportunity for celebration. Right. When somebody passes at in their 90s, as sad as that is, you know what? Deep down, I feel, I feel, wow, what a great thing for the family. They didn't get robbed of their relative. They've had a full life. What a great thing for the decedent. He or she did not get robbed. They had a long, fulfilling life. Everybody, even though you're sad, you're you're happy in a way because you had a fulfilling life. I just hate to see the good die young, and especially on SIDS, sudden infant death syndrome. Mm -hmm. SIDS, it kills a baby. And that heartbreak. Yes. And I think the, I I, I had even friends of mine and my brother who said, I don't want to read your book because I don't want to be sad. There you go. Many people are afraid to be sad. I said, it's not a sad book. I promise you, it is not a sad book. And again, the readers that have left all the reviews have said just that. You know, I kind of was concerned about reading this book. I had just lost my mom and my dad, and I thought, boy, but I read it anyways, and I'm so glad I did because now I understand how to be able to grieve, but also to celebrate and also to be able to create comfort to others in my family and and be able to have the the courage to be able to tell stories and ask about memories in a way that isn't sad. It's respectful and celebratory. Amen. Now, here's what we have. This is exactly what we've been speaking about. You had a reviewer named Kevin. He said, and I quote, perfect read for anybody of any age, especially for preteens and children who have lost a friend or loved one. Published during the COVID-19 pandemic, when people of all ages and demographics have been affected by untimely deaths within their life circles, powerfully written with empathy, healthy emotion, and love. Highly recommend. And that's what Kevin had to say. But yes, it's a book about teaching the youth how to deal with loss, but the adults are reading it. And when did you suddenly realize that this thing was an Amazon.com best-selling book? Did it take a while or was it instant? No, it was instant. It was instant. And I was, again, as a first-time author, I, I... 
I don't know what I was expecting. I just wanted to help. And I think the intent came through loud and clear and people began using it and sharing their stories. And it's still continuing to, um, any places I go, people are, you know, they don't necessarily talk about the story, you know, oh, great character development with Ashley and Cody. That's not it. What it does is creates the desire to share what they know and what they thought about with the story. And and Rick, that is something that I wanted to talk to you about today too, is I'm actually putting out a journal. Well, I heard talk- a new book was underway too. I don't well, know if that's true. Well, and actually that book was a book I started. Um, I had Heaven's Bell in my mind and I knew I wanted to write it, but I was actually, because my day job is is about uh, finding leaders and, and uh, leadership, I, have, I started to write another book. But then when COVID hit, I put that book on hold and said, I need to write this book. I need to get this book out to the community. And based on all these stories that are coming in and people wanting to talk about these stories and wanting to share their stories, I'm actually within the next month releasing a journal called Ring to Remember, where people can read the book and then have a place to be able to create a memory book and a a grieving journal that can be family oriented the family you know we can all add to that um, and that will never go away and hopefully the story will continue to breed more memories and opportunities to be able to tell more and more people about family members that are no longer with us right ring to remember or what is the correct title that is the the journal is called Ring to Remember. Room R O O M or R I N G. R I N G Ring. Ring, Ring to, to remember. remember. Is that about yeah. a piece of jewelry? Is that about a telephone call? <laughs> what type of ring? Is that about people in a circle? What type of ring are we referring to? A uh, heaven's bell. Oh, uh, the the ring of the bell. Yes. Ah, ring, excuse ring me. To remember. Oh my my. <laughs> there we go. All right. I love it. Oh, I'll tell you what. We're at the halfway point already. I'm going to give you plenty of time. You have my word on it that we're going to promote this at the end, so the people know where to get this book. But now that we're at the halfway point, dear. Tell me right now, where can somebody obtain your book if they want to read it and tell them how to go about it? Wonderful. Well, you can go to heavensbell.com and there's an Amazon link there and you can learn a little bit more about the book or you can go straight to Amazon. And it is, I think there's probably close to 75 star reviews and you can read about it and see if it's something that you would like to purchase for your own healing or someone else's. It's a, it's a, just a great opportunity to provide a family with a story that might help them all. The website, www.heavensbell.com. Can you purchase it right there? You can purchase it. There's an Amazon link, but you'll eventually it'll take you over to Amazon, but very efficiently. Right. Put in Heaven's <laughs> Bell book in Google. It's going to take you. One of the results is going to be Amazon, I'm assuming. Correct. Yep. All absolutely. right. There we go. Our guest today, ladies and gentlemen, Sherry Barch. 
She's an author and speaker. She wrote the book, Heaven's Bell. She is a graduate of Western Illinois University. The book is an Amazon.com best-selling book. She has been on television in her respective Rockford, Illinois, and she shares a tale that needs to be told. And I have another review from a gal named Heidi. She said, quote, I wasn't sure what to expect <laughs> as I started reading this book, but as I started to read it, I could not put it down. It is such a beautiful and comforting way to view what happens after we pass from this life. It is a book that is an easy read and a message that is very relevant for children and adults. Heaven's Bell gives the reader an appreciation for both life and death in a most grateful way. And there we go. What is it? She says, it is such a beautiful and comforting way to view what happens after we pass from this life. And most people, it would seem to me, share they don't want to think about passing from this life. I know if I could sign a contract with somebody, it's a you will stay on earth forever. Oh, sign me up. I'd like to stay, you know, which is not going to happen. And it makes no sense whatsoever. But people resist change. They want to stay with their family. They want to stay yes. with their friends. They don't want to to think about losing everything you've got. And then there are some who could care less, you know, they're, yes. they're the gamblers. They're out in Las Vegas, you know? <laughs> and I've even had stories where um, an individual was diagnosed with a terminal illness mm -hmm. and um, uh, two actually that I can think of and read the book and the, the family members read the book. And, um, there's one, there's one scene in the great hall where there's monitors and, and memories are playing on those monitors. And, um, before she died, the sister of, uh, one of the readers said, um, Hey, I'm going to be watching you on the monitors when you're cleaning out dad's uh, garage that has all kinds of things in it. And it's going to be a pain because he collects so many things and I'll be smiling and laughing from heaven <laughs> when you're cleaning out his garage. And the, the gentleman came to me and said, the book has really given me some peace to know that I can visualize and had a conversation with her about the, you know, what's in outer space and, and how the book depicts heaven. And he said, in a weird way, it, it brings comfort and peace to me. And then another individual said that, um, same thing. She knew she was dying and she wanted to make sure that, um, her grandchildren had this book and that, um, they would be able to share that story. She ended up giving it to a friend who lost her husband to Alzheimer's. And, um, she read the book and her feedback was it gave her permission to not dwell on the final years of his life where she was a caretaker and she was, you know, he was unable to recognize her. And it was just so sad and distraught for her. You know, she felt so distraught that once she read the book, she realized that in outer space or heaven, we can choose to remember what we want and see them in a way when we ring their bell of, of him being very healthy and the wonderful relationship that they had. And so she's, with the help of this story, choosing 
to skip past the the memories that are making her sad and keep with her the memories of really what represented her the love of her life, which were the memories of him when he was well. You remember our dear president, Ronald Reagan? Yes. And you couldn't find a much better, well-loved man in the world than that gentleman right there. And they loved his second wife, Nancy. They loved both of them. But later on, after he retired, he became what I guess he had dementia, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And if it wasn't Mm -hmm. dementia, perhaps, I think it was dementia that he had. But his mind was not what it was when he was the president and prior to that, when he was an actor or a governor. And this is what happens. Look at what just happened, and I know you've heard about this, to the mother of Winona and Ashley Judd. Mm-hmm. Winona's yes. former singing partner. They they used to have a record, The Girls' Night Out. Honey, mm-hmm. there ain't no doubt that The Girls' Night Out, a happy song, a, a, a joyous song, about the gals getting together and having their own night out. The Judds, Winona and Naomi, girls' night out. Everybody loved it. It was a happy song. And later on in life, Naomi is not the same Naomi that she was back when she was singing with her daughter, Winona, and had the record out. So, and it's nothing that's Winona's, that was Naomi's fault. What is it about the ending years that oftentimes, I don't know how to, how do we say it? It causes people to lose their mental thought process. Mm -hmm. They're not the same thinker as they were when they were more youthful and young. I imagine a doctor may tell me that, well, Rick, that's the sign of aging. We can't always control it. What What is your opinion on that? No, I agree. I think there's there's all kinds of uh, disease states, and I and you know I'll expand that to mental health. I mean, this month is all about mental health awareness, and you know as we look at some of the, the suicide tragedies, but also some of the, the 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 mass shootings, um, you know, the school shootings, there's just, there's just so much right now that I think, um, we need to be aware of and make sure that we're helping those individuals that, um, whether it's caused by, um, something genetic or disease state that we're caring for our fellow human beings, not only from a physicality standpoint, but also from a mental standpoint. I think all too often we're not trained or thinking about how impactful that can be. Well, Winona Judd has her own band now. It's called Winona and the Big Noise. And they were just up here semi-recently within, I guess it was, the last year. And it would... It would behoove me to get a hold of that gal and invite her on this program. She needs a comforting hug like what your book has right now. Uh, People don't want to think about the worst in their family member or in the decedent. They should and want to think about the best. And there's just something about taking one's own life that Mm -hmm. is just not right. I don't care for it. I wish we could take the eraser and erase that from society because it is not up to you 
or I or the party down the street or next door to determine when any of us leave. That is not our decision. Agree. And I think there's you know, the, I think there's so many, well, again, between COVID and the mass shootings and, you know, everything today is accessible. You know, you've got children and adults alike that you can, tr- you can tune in and, you know, you're seeing imagery and, and reports over and over again that, you know, how can we talk about this? And what are some things that we can do to make sure that, you know, our children are are not scared and are safe and understand what's going on? And as adults, you know, you just, you're trying to wrap your head around the numbers of deaths that have happened over, through the pandemic. But also, you know, I've had, you know, I've I've sent books to the 9-11, Tuesday's children. Um, I, ha- I have a suicide prevention gentleman that um, is utilizing the book and the story. So even though the story is just one Heaven's Bell story about a young person's death, really Heaven's Bell is is hopefully a, a conversation starter and um, just a place where people might be able to begin regardless of the loss. Right. Now, you say it's a conversation starter, but mm-hmm. you wrote it from the perspective of a junior high school starting point, if you will. How would one take those minor children and begin the conversation? What is the way the average parent, the average guardian can even begin to touch on something without the child saying, what, 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 you know, and right. confusing them? How would would you recommend that's done? It's about storytelling. So if you think about Heaven's Bell, even telling the story that I just did earlier about hanging a bell in heaven and starting to ask questions. What do you think grandma is doing in heaven right now? And what do you think her bell sounds like? And that's a lot of the journal prompts that I've put together to be able to create an opportunity to just listen. So my 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 niece was in third or fourth grade and, the, and her grandmother had died. And my brother and his wife were very concerned about the fact that um, she wasn't speaking. She wasn't talking about it. She was shut down. She was angry. And they kept saying, honey, you know, it's okay. Do you want to talk about it? And and she didn't. So that was the second time I told the story. I brought over a bell, handed her and her sister the bells, told the story of Heaven's Bell, and then started asking questions. What do you think grandma's doing in heaven? And she immediately was able to to move to the conversation and her imagination versus talk about how she's feeling. And sometimes that's difficult. Well, it's difficult for anyone, isn't it? I'm fine. How do you feel? I'm fine. I'm sad. I'm good. Just, you know, she didn't even want to be hugged. She immediately said, I picture grandma out in the back riding her horse, Abe. She has brown hair. She's not in any pain anymore. And she's laughing and she's throwing her head back. And she is a young woman and she is smiling at us right now. I can imagine. heard a pin drop. (laughs) Yes. Now, do people ask you whether or not your book is a religious book? I have had a few of those questions, yes. And it is not. It mentions heaven, but it also mentions outer space. So it really is agnostic, and in no way is there a a biblical reference um, or lesson. But I, I do believe that you can talk about heaven in a way that is a place for your imagination to go, regardless of your age or your religious preference. 
And I did have, just speaking of that, I did have someone who was a Vietnam vet say to me, I am a Catholic, but your book described heaven in a way that was so visual and had great imagery that in the church, sometimes it's just this kind of nebulous, like, you know, it's there, but you don't really ever have it described. And the fact that you just took a shot at it and you described it in a way that is so um, tangible. And he said, I was able to picture my Vietnam buddies that I lost for the first time in so many years. And he said, it was amazing. And I just hadn't gone there, even with my my religious beliefs, that I was able to remember things that I hadn't thought about in years. And then he asked me to sign his book, remembering his his soldier friends. So it's just, it was, it's, it's interesting. I just thought of that now as, as you asked that question. Well, I totally think, like I said at the beginning of our show today, it's about time that someone took the effort and put it forth for society in general, not just the the children, not just the adults, for everybody, a tangible book that you can put your hands on and say, read this. It's an easy read. You don't need a PhD in literature to understand it or medicine or psychology. Read it. It'll uplift you. It doesn't have all the answers, but it describes to you how to deal with what is going on today. And God bless Winona Judd and her sister, Ashley Judd. There are two people right there that need that hug right now. And there are many others who are not internationally known celebrities or movie stars. They need the help right now. They don't understand why somebody who has lived their entire life of sound mind gets older Mm -hmm. and then they can't remember who their own relatives were. It just does not seem right. And people have a difficult time in dealing with that. And you can understand it. I mean, I know I certainly can. Oh yeah. It's it's horrible. It really is. And and I feel I feel bad for the the individuals that need to to carry on and and not only experience the loss, but trying to understand. Isn't that the, the truth? Right. Now, what are you working on right now that will be the next project other than your current book, Heaven's Bell. What can we expect for you next? Because uh, I was told that there was a new book being written, and I know nothing about that. <laughs> Well, the first thing that's going to happen and in short order is the journal. And so again, um, you can go to ringtoremember.com and sign up for the journal. Uh, and that is being finished right now. So I'm very excited about that. Just again, based on the reader's input and behavior and the stories that are being shared. Uh, but the other book that um, I was writing prior to the pandemic is um, a book about uh, the real world and uh the converse, dif- difficult conversations that you have as you graduate from high school or graduate from college or even, you know, a, a tech school, but how we leave the the fairness of college with, you know, here's your syllabus, here's how you get an A, here's how you get a B, and you move into the real world where sometimes it's a little more difficult to navigate on getting clear feedback, making sure that you're providing your own feedback, having those conversations that allow you to manage your career, uh, also look at due diligence. And so it, it's it's really just what I, what I noticed in my 
career. There are a lot of leaders that I've interviewed that have had their careers derailed, but not usually because they're not smart or they don't have the right experience. It usually comes inside of that um, emotional quotients or the emotional intelligence, the ability to communicate clearly, um, the ability to seek out information and that self-awareness. So the book really is trying to provide some guideposts to early careerists in more of the subjective things that happen in your career. Once you've done all the objective things like getting a degree and doing your internship and working for the right organization. Right. Tell everybody what you do when you're not reading books because you are a recruiter and just briefly describe what that life is about. (laughs) Sure. So I am in my 35th year of being an executive search consultant and I have uh, a couple organizations that um, recruit for uh, senior level executives in both healthcare organizations and non-healthcare organizations. And then I have another organization that does leadership consulting. And so really, I've spent my entire life interviewing really successful people. And uh, I've learned a lot from their experiences, their ability to tell stories. Um, and I'm applying it to this book to say, here are some things that I've learned that if you, if someone would have told me or told them early in their career, what a difference that could make to our communities, organizations, and to the individuals. True or false, money and having a lot of it solves all of your problems as a human being. False. <laughs> that, that is the biggest crock of garbage I've ever heard said by anybody. I interview people like you and people who are multimillionaires, and I've worked for them all, my whole life. And you know what? Some of the saddest, some of the most disappointing, hateful human beings are these people with this money, which has done nothing for them. Nothing. Agree. Agree. And early in my career, I had a gentleman that was from Harvard and I had a gentleman that was from Southern Illinois University. And they they both were, you know, they they both had the same kinds of experiences. And the gentleman from uh, Southern Illinois University asked questions about, was curious, asked questions about the role and said that he would place more of his compensation at risk if the organization you know, if he could do his due diligence and look at the organization. And the gentleman from Harvard really didn't ask a lot of questions about the organization, just wanted to know what the position paid. And the gentleman from Southern Illinois University ended up getting the role. Um, You know, so our bias, you think, well, if you're somebody from Harvard, obviously you're going to get the job and you're, that's not the case. Yeah, right. So you put executives, if you will, in their respective positions with a wide variety of big corporations, big Forbes corporations. Correct. And you enjoy that. Oh, I do. I'm 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 such a curious person and I I I love listening to the stories and the motivations and trying to create the the best fit for these executives so that they can make a difference in their communities. It's been an amazing career and I'm just trying to give back in any way that I can. You place someone like a gentleman, for example, or or a woman makes no difference in a position which has then elevated them and their self-confidence, them and their ability to provide for their family. Do either the men or the women that you place ever come back to you and say, because of you, my child was able to go to college. Because Because of you, my home life is better. We now have the best home life we've ever had. 
because of you and the work you've done to elevate me and eventually my whole family. Do they ever come to you in thanks? Absolutely. Absolutely. And the other thing we're able to do is, is I call, we call them step up candidates. So maybe there's an internal candidate that is being overlooked or diversity and inclusion. We maybe have some representatives in any of those um, underrepresented class uh, that could come into a role, but right, because the client only knows how to recruit in one way, they were missing some of those opportunities for diversity. I'm very proud of the fact that as we present executives for a particular position, um, it is well represented in diversity uh, and in competence. And that's where that leadership consulting company comes in, where we can help those executives become better leaders and better um, team members and provide more opportunities for diversity at that executive level. What is the best thing someone who has read Heaven's Bell come up to you later and said, because of you and writing this book, blank, fill that in. What did they tell you? I was able to talk about my mother, who I lost at a young age, to my daughters. And before I read your book, I never talked about her because I would always be sad and I didn't want my girls to see me sad. But once I read your book, I now get to celebrate my mother and tell wonderful stories about this amazing woman that my children will never be able to meet, but they will know of her. Oh, I think that's marvelous. I think that's great. If somebody, in addition to the celebrities that we've already mentioned today that are currently grieving right now, as they should, but anybody, regardless of who they are, if they're experiencing this loss, if you will, without being a total loss yet because the relative is still alive with us, but the loss being that it's just not the same mental person and they're going through that, be it dementia, be it Alzheimer's, be it whatever, what advice do you give to somebody like that? I think that you have control and the ability to create your place, your memories of their entire lifetime. And don't let the immediacy of the disease that you're currently experiencing cast a shadow on the long life and relationship that you've had with this individual. And you can choose to go back and make those memories anything that brings you joy and pays honor to your loved one. Right. Just because they're experiencing a low ebb in the tide now is not how they're defined as a human being. Correct. And we get to choose. We can use our memories and weave together stories and make sure that people around them that are maybe too young to have remembered them in a way that you do, share those memories. Tell them about that individual in a way that is um, not just about maybe how they've experienced them in their life, in their young lifetime. Absolutely amazing. If Winona or Ashley Judd were seated next to you, mm. what would you tell them right now if you could speak to them? I don't know if I would tell them anything. I would make a safe space and ask them questions. I would ask them some questions that would allow to, them to go to places that aren't the tragedy that just happened. And Lord knows they have memories that are far from a tragedy. Right. They've had an exemplary life. Excuse me. They've had a life that the average person will never have. 
Right. You know, and just, and they can be as simple as what was her favorite food or, you know, did she anything? I mean, anything did she, you know, did she have a favorite pet or just, you know, just something to take them off of where they're at right now. They've had blessings. They've had blessings Mm -hmm. in abundance in their lives. Right. What's a funny story about, you know, something that happened on the road or, um, or what's the first thing you're going to say to her when you see her in heaven? Oh my, now there you go. There you, boy, oh boy. Now there's a powerful question. Yeah. And what do you think they'll say to you? Oh my, my, oh my. What a way to end. Oh. Ladies and gentlemen, her name is Sherry Barch. It's pronounced like the month of the year, March, except get rid of the M and put on a B. Sherry Barch. And the book is entitled Heaven's Bell. www.heavensbell.com. Quote, a comforting hug in a book is what one person called it. It is an Amazon.com best-selling book. This author is a graduate of Western Illinois University. She's been on the television. She is a executive recruiter with some major Forbes companies that are out there in corporations. She is an author and speaker. And Heaven's Bell is available once again, Sherry. Where? How are they going to get it? And after you tell the people that, is there a way somebody can drop you a line and say, hi, I'm so-and-so. Here's what I'd like to say. And go ahead, hit me with all that. And we'll let (laughs) the people know. Wonderful. Well, you can contact me at Sherry at HeavensBell.com. And that's S-H-E-R-R-I-E at HeavensBell.com. You can go to Amazon and Heaven's Bell is on Amazon. You've given the website www.heavensbell.com. There you can see more information about me and you can contact me through that website as well. And ringtoremember.com if you want to sign up for the journal that would will be coming out within the month. I think it's fabulous. May I tip my hat to you, ma'am, and say thank you for mm-hmm. working us into your schedule and for coming on this program. It means a lot to me. It really does. Thank you. And thank you. I so appreciate the time uh, that you have given and the talent that you have to be able to address this incredibly important topic and having the courage to have me on to talk about death and dying. So thank you. Well, you've strengthened me and given me hope. I I, I will say this. It's, it's a topic which all of us seem to just have question marks about. Mm-hmm. And you need that guidance from time to time. Agree. Agree. Absolutely. Okay. Did I do okay? You did amazing. I I loved it. No, I can't think of anything we didn't cover. And Mm -hmm. I love the stories that you told and how we eased into it. So no, I I just appreciate your your, uh, interest and your genuineness. You're so talented. So no, thank you. Very well. At this time, ladies and gentlemen, I certainly want to extend a big thank you once again to our guest today, Sherry Barch. The website, heavensbell.com. Read the book, Heaven's Bell. Buy it for someone you love. It is available on Amazon. What a great show. It's rather unusual for us to tackle this type of a topic, but I'm very grateful that we had somebody 
everybody like Sherry, who was not afraid to come in here and to do it. It's what needs to be done, especially when the world has COVID on their mind, especially when the world has the dear Judd family on their mind, especially when we lose people like Prince, Tom Petty, Michael Jackson, etc., 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 who people don't want to leave, but they're not here with us. So this is what life is about. Billy Joel, he said, only the good die young. I don't know. <laughs> no offense, but Billy Joel is not the judge of that. But you know, it sounds good, but we all wish that the good would stay with us, don't we, Sherry? Yes, but that is not going to happen. We all know it. Isn't that the truth? This is Rick Flynn speaking. It's been fun, but I've got to run. On behalf of myself and our guest today, Sherry Barch. She is an author and speaker. She wrote the book, Heaven's Bell. Thank you to Sherry. And just as importantly, thank you to everyone that is listening worldwide. Not only in the United States, but in our second largest market over in the United Kingdom and all of the other places that hear this podcast. Thank you all so very much. And we'll see you on the next show. Bye-bye. Thank you, everyone. The preceding was a Rick Flynn production. This is your announcer, Chantal Marie speaking.